Hey, everybody. Hope you're doing well. Thanks, as always, for listening to Talking That Trash. I'll be really quick. I don't want to just repeat everything we get to in the episode. Steve and I had a lot of fun this week talking about Seinfeld and The Office and specifically George Costanza versus Michael Scott in a battle of the titans, if you will. Um, anything you guys think of what we talk about, please let us know. If you if you disagree with anything we said or you feel we missed something, please let us know. Hit us up. That would be very much appreciated because, honestly, we, we'd love to get the feedback we've been getting, and it is genuinely very much appreciated. We do know there were some things we just didn't have time to get to that we'll hopefully touch on a little bit next week without it being overkill, but we didn't want it to be too long of an episode because, honestly, we probably could have gone off for legitimately three to four hours because we love these shows so much. So we did. We are we are aware of that. Um, if you wouldn't mind subscribing, sharing the pod, it is so helpful and very much appreciated. Steve and I will both get the breathing into the mic thing under control. We're still getting the hang of this, but honestly, we really appreciate you guys listening, and we hope you enjoy this week. Let's get to it. Here we go. Excited. Yeah, to this be is uh, about this. this is our, our our Super Bowl episode where we get to talk about uh, a huge passion in your life, my life, our our childhoods. <laughs> Actually, though, yeah, I mean, this could be this is going to be a lot of fun just because we're going to be able to talk about. I think, and I think you probably agree with it, the, the two funniest shows that have ever been on TV. Yep. And what we think, I don't think it's really debatable the two funniest characters were on the two funniest shows. I think there's one other guy you could throw in here, but what we're talking about today is George Lewis Costanza of Seinfeld against Michael Gary Scott (laughs) of The Office. And we're trying to figure out who is the better character between the two. And through that, we'll kind of define what better necessarily means. And that's important to point out, I think, too. We aren't coming into this saying right off top, George Costanza or Michael Scott is the funnier character and this is why I think part of doing it is is to discuss and go through and arrive at a conclusion yeah to celebrate the entire catalog (laughs) but to try and get to the end and have made enough of an of a presentation on both sides to say you could see why one or the other would be funny because everyone has an opinion it has to be broken down though like I I really think with characters like this it can't just be Take, for example, the other night I was telling some friends that we're going to be talking about this week. And right off the bat, love the guys and all, but just the laziest explanations that had no thought put into it. So I realized, like, I have to, we have to do the research on this. And we got to break it down as, like, you would an athlete, a finely trained athlete. And I think we, we're we going to have a pretty good little criteria, I think. But also through this, we have to make clear that this is the kind of subplot of it is Seinfeld versus The Office, because it just has to be. It would be way too all over the place if we didn't include that at least a little bit. I agree. I, I've never been into the Seinfeld versus Friends no. argument, because, okay, yeah, I get it. Either it's in New York. It came out at the same time. Um, but it's not a comparable show. It was a sitcom versus soap opera by the end. Too. Well, yeah, and a, and a pretty bad one by the end. I will say this. I think you can make... Actually, I don't even consider this a hot take or anything, but I think the first season of Friends is funnier than the first season of Seinfeld. 100% it is. But after that... It's a steep drop-off because I remember Friends 
being a lot funnier. And then when it went on Netflix a few years ago, we were watching through it. And I think I got to about season three or something. And I was like, I think I'm done. Oh, it becomes unbearable when they're all like still supposed to be 28, but they're like, like Ross is wearing leather pants for some reason and like fishnet V's and it's just them yeah. hanging out at the coffee shop and they're all spray tanned. And it just, yeah. it just becomes so and Jennifer Aniston's like Jennifer Aniston at this point. So yeah. she's like this person that, well, if she's living in New York, she's going to be making a lot of money, like modeling or being in movies, yeah. which she does in real life. Yeah. And we're supposed to believe that she's just this gal living in a, apartment with her buddy working at a coffee shop it's like this is getting to be a stretch and yeah. oh man ross found a dinosaur egg and he's obsessing about it and a girl he's dating said he was crazy i know oh God. sweet yeah M monica's crazy chandler who was funny now is just the biggest stiff and drag you can ever possibly be around joey is a functioning you-know-what, if we're going to call it what it is, that women can't resist even though he's an unemployed, out-of-shape fatso. Yeah, like how they didn't lose their apartment at that point. <laughs> Joey hasn't made money in three years. As, as funny as that is, it's like, well, the guy's gaining weight season by season, so like he, clearly he's fed. Yeah, anyway, we're digressing. But the, the, the point is, I think if you acknowledge, like Seinfeld was the show. Yeah. And... Everybody who lived through that era understood like when it was Thursdays on NBC, you were pumped to watch Seinfeld and you talked about Seinfeld even as kids because your yeah. parents were talking about Seinfeld, how funny it was. And then The Office, which is a funny thing about how The Office has aged because when I was in college and The Office was on TV, I didn't watch it. And it wasn't yeah. because I had a lack of interest in it. It was just like, well, I didn't really watch sitcoms. I didn't really yeah. know what it was. I thought Dwight looked annoying. Yeah, so like it just kind of looked. And the previews didn't really kind of get at what the show was about. And then in about 2012 or 2013, you actually told me like, hey, have you ever really watched this? Yeah. And I started watching and I was like, this is actually really, really funny. Yeah, man. And I'm like a little disappointed in myself because it still falls into that category of like, oh, this is another TV show that when it first came out, I just didn't like hop on the bandwagon right away. It took like four seasons and having it to be on a streaming service in order for me to get behind. Yeah, totally. I I, I'm, I think I was probably closer to like 08. I have to acknowledge that that phone rang like 18 times. <laughs> that was funny. And it's no problem. Um, I, I got into about 2008 with the DVDs and then I started watching it live when it wasn't particularly good anymore so I, but i think people talk about the office in a very similar light they talk about seinfeld so i'm excited to get into it real quick before we do because there's also another question that's seinfeld related that we talked about last week i'm just curious if it, do you have a hot take this week um there was one that i was thinking about but i don't even really think it's worth bringing up it's not that funny sounds i started sizzling. thinking about it and it sounds stupid it sounded stupid so i'm just going to turn it over to you well all right then scorching take yeah, it was a good one. As always. <laughs> I don't really have a hot take this week. And I'm, I'm going to make it quick because we've already talked about The Office and uh, Seinfeld. So I feel we should be consistent here. But consider this more of, for Edmonton people, uh, my my big yap with UConn Jack. Just hopefully less, you know, the bear. Uh, <laughs> so as a stand-up, here's my ramble. As a stand-up, it, it, it just came out that it, it's alleged so far nothing's been proven but it's uh, apparently chris D'Elia, one of the biggest stand-ups in the world's a pedophile and uh, um this is going to be all over the place hopefully this this makes some kind of sense but it, it just kind of already i was thinking about this over the weekend 
and it just cemented it even more for me. I, I didn't go on social media all weekend. Kaylee and I went down Southern Alberta, did some hiking. It was great. And uh, been having a lot of highs and lows mentally. Not being around social media, I don't think it's coincidence that since then I've been feeling really good. And something I was thinking about was, God, the comedy industry just fucking sucks. Because comedians especially really struggle with anxiety and depression. And it's like scientifically proven that social media worsens these kind of things and the comedy industry is always talking about like we care about comics we care about comics fuck you no you don't because the whole thing with comics are they're only validated on social media especially now you can have really good comics who won't get booked because they don't have enough followers or literally won't be allowed in clubs if they don't have enough followers i understand the whole business thing having followers putting butts in the seats but when you literally measure pretty much what feels like your worth as a human being on this shit, you don't really care about it. And then tying it into this whole Chris D'Elia thing, apparently this isn't even news. Mm -hmm. People have known about this for a long time. So all of the enablers who absolutely knew this, be it his agencies or the, the networks that give him specials or cast him in shows, if they haven't done their research or whatever with it, then that's really on them. And it's just kind of, I've been thinking a lot about just how shitty that industry is and the powers that be are. So I've been trying not to swear as much because we were using a lot of F-bombs at the start, but this kind of got me fired up. And I sent you my hot take and just be fuck that guy and fuck the comedy industry that pretends they care about people in this kind of sense when they're just enabling garbage people, putting them on a pedestal and actively doing things that worsen a lot of good people and good-natured, hardworking comics that... Um, you, you, they just don't deem worthy enough because of their social media or something. And that's not even like a personal, like, I'm getting screwed. It's not, not to do with me. I'm just saying in general, uh, that's my hot take slash rant for the week, if that made any sense. Yeah. Had, to, had to say it, though. No, I think it makes sense. What's so odd about these organizations and these systems that are in place is they protect guys like this. And they yeah. protect the abuser. And they justify and they make odd excuses. And then when everything comes out that they're these awful people and then you know something happens where the law has to get involved yeah. and these guys go to jail then the other parts of the onion get peeled back or it's like oh everybody knew about it and everybody yeah. didn't want to say anything because that might mean they don't get the movie or it might mean that this person shuns them socially and that would have huge ramifications on their career and then some and i'm not even really speaking about anything specific but then like i don't know some like mid-level actor or like a guy who like just had a big couple of movies gets up at the Oscars and like talks about how this is unacceptable. And yeah. it's like, and everyone starts applauding or something like that. And it's yeah. like, cool. Who are these people that they're referencing that exactly. stood up for them? It's you guys. Exactly. So I find it so irritating that there's these things in place that protect these guys. And then when this is breaking news, the ones who were protecting them or had heard about it and didn't do anything, yeah. scurry off like cockroaches underneath the rocks and don't have any take on it. And then when a Netflix documentary comes out, someone might tweet about like, this is great. We need more of this. And yeah. it's, you know, it's tremendous that we're shining a light on this stuff. Stop protecting abusers. Yeah. Like stop giving these people platforms to be successful so that they're able to maintain a lifestyle where they can abuse kids, where they can abuse people that come from lower socioeconomical backgrounds that totally. can't fight back. It's such a crock of shit. Exactly. And, and in this specifically with this Dalia guy, young kids, man, like 17 and 16 year old kids 
Yeah, what are they supposed to do? Are they supposed to go to the cops and say, hey, this really this successful comic? That's the thing. Like, their fans are like, they'll, whatever, like, they'll, a lot of the stories I was reading, like, they'll go to a show and take a picture after and tag them on Instagram. Then all of a sudden he's hitting them up, like, essentially being like, hey, you're cute. Want to come hang out at the hotel? Like, And this is some, like, who knows how old he is. What, where, he's, like, over 30 at this point. He's, like, 40 now or whatever. And he's got, like, a kid and stuff. It's just scummy stuff. And, again, I, I really want to make this clear because I'm talking about a comic. And if you're not a comedy fan, he's he's wildly popular. I'm not jumping on a bandwagon here. I don't get why. I think he's very much a reflection of the lowest common denominator. He's a guy that will flail around and make, like, the same stupid voice over and then do like a cartwheel or something and hump the stick and hump the stool and people are just giving them like a standing o it's just it's comedy for dumb people if i can be pretentious and honest for a sec but i don't want to be the jaded guy because another disappointing thing about this is with everything going on with social justice and everyone being such an advocate online and trying to say the right thing this so quickly became comedians all just saying the same shit making the same joke to get the likes and retweets and it like got lost that these are kids we're talking about that were abused and taken advantage of. So all that being said, I, I, like, I know I'm all over the place right now, but I don't want it to come across as I'm one of those comics that's like, he's not even funny. Mm. He's bullshit. Guys like me should be getting That's not at all what I'm trying to say. I'm just trying to make a very general statement of the things you're talking about of all this shit of knowing when somebody's a predator, a creep or whatever, and just letting it slide and you see a lot of it to keep comedy the example of gatekeepers and whatever like even in Edmonton I'm not going to obviously out anybody I've heard I don't know facts and necessarily but you hear all these stories about so-and-so is a creep in this way or that way but they run a cool show or they're this kind of headliner well I, I could open for them one day and if I if I was to say anything against them I won't get booked and I get that that's like a fear especially for lower level comics and stuff like that but when you see it in these higher higher ups if you don't know that's a problem because you should because apparently all you had to do was Google it, like the Bill Cosby sort of thing. Yeah. And if you do know and you're just like, eh, whatever, he's got a ton of followers on Vine or some shit, then it's like <laughs> shame on you in that way too. It's just – it's it's really disappointing and it's such a shitty reflection of where we still are in so many different ways as a society, you know? I agree. It's, it's tough because, you know, I'm sure if everyone had their worst put out in public – They'd be embarrassed, but there's a difference between being embarrassed and being someone that abuses or compromises the rights or, or the uh, the sanctity of kids should be left alone. There's Amen. there's a big difference between oh, remember that one time that like Steve got hammered and you know did this and did yeah. that and, and you know really wound up embarrassing himself because yeah. I don't know. I like pissed my pants or yeah. something like that. It's like really, that's a damn shame. But there, there's a, I think a really huge drop off to, well, that's embarrassing. It's not also, well, that's ridiculous that someone. Yeah, you're a scumbag. You're, yeah, you're a, a degenerate. So, so I know that's not the most lighthearted topic, but considering it's topical and we were, we were talking about, I know these are very different, literally and contextually um, different issues, but touching on the social justice thing and being a comedian everything i figured that was worth kind of ranting about uh not the yeah. funniest segue to get back into the seinfeld in the office talk but getting back to the george versus michael seinfeld seinfeld versus the office kind of thing last week we were talking about um if we ever had really Costanza-ish moments and we realized doing that right off the top would be kind of hard but were you able to think about any moments where you're like 
I am George Costanza. Because that is an insult. If, you, if your friend's being a bum or cheap or this or that, you're like, okay, Costanza. But when, could, when did you have to take a hard look in the mirror and be like, I am that man right now? I remember there was one time I was eating at, uh, you remember those grills where you would fill up your bowl? And then, yeah, Mongolian grill. Remember, it was like a couple times I like put like three tomatoes back. (laughs) I was like, well, I don't want to pay for that. (laughs) And it winds up coming out. It's like, really, man? Like, and it was like actual, like a standing at the, at the, at the grill and being like, just don't know if I could swing it. (laughs) And you know, that, that's going to be excessive. And it's like, man, it's probably like 40 cents. (laughs) So you kind of have that weird feeling of like, I don't know. Just felt, it, you, your mind immediately rushes to like the Costanza thing, where it's like rationalizing why you might need <laughs> half of a dollar at some point, and Sounds you just like can't. Yeah, you just can't can't afford to spare it. That's your only George Costanza. There's a bunch. There's a okay, few of them that say, I have, man. but it's just like those are the types of examples that You're we're talking about. You're a better man about. than me. If no, I mean like one. I don't have a lot of the like glaring ones. Glaring ones. I might have something where it's. Like I had toilet paper on my shoe and I was in basketball practice, like preaching about something. (laughs) And then you realize afterwards to live a life in your, to live one day in your shoes, man. Cause I think mine are, well, share, share a couple. I'll just share three. Okay. Um, one is, it's not, it's not too crazy, but I I think pretty much like the first proper date I went on with my uh, girlfriend in high school I didn't know what a date was or like what to do. So it was just like, you want to go to Sev and just like went to 7-Eleven. I, I didn't even think to be like, do you want anything? I just like went to the snacks for me and went right to, and I, I think I got one thing. If I remember correctly, it was a Scooby-Doo fruit snack and it cost like with GST like 83 cents. And I just got my debit card. So I thought I was all cool. And I put it on debit and right in front of her again, not offering to buy her anything. Um, it comes up as insufficient funds. <laughs> So she had to pay for me. <laughs> so I feel that was pretty Costanza. I um, once was seeing a girl. It was great, fantastic, just very cool person. But I was kind of at my peak of Costanza um, lifestyle at this point. Not trying to. I just, for whatever reason, was. And part of the reason I broke up with her is, I've talked about this song probably every episode, is that she didn't like Bob O'Reilly. Um, I, it came on the radio and she was like, Oh God, not this song. And it really pissed me off. And I just quickly, I was like, we're not compatible. There's no future here. And then, uh, I don't know if I even want to say the last one. It's that one I told you about the meal that I fled from last week. Oh yeah. It's yeah. It's your call. It's pretty Costanza. I, 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 it's uncomfortably Costanza. I don't do anything wrong. There's nothing like bad that happens, but I, I just like, it definitely doesn't help you that there's not a studio audience there laughing. No, it, it's like, kind of like my equivalent of when there's the fire and George is at that birthday yeah. party and he just comes out of it looking like such an ass and just a dick. Mm-hmm. Um, that was my equivalent. So I, I have I have no shortage, unfortunately, of Costanza moments, but I'll stick with the the insufficient funds and breaking mm-hmm. up over Bob O'Reilly because that's kind of like when they break up over eating the peas one at a time. I know that's Jerry, but it's all yeah, the it's same still mindset. it's in the same lane. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Well, we should uh, we should get into the great debate then. We should. Here's how we're gonna try and do it. We're going to go over things like what were the best seasons of The Office and of Seinfeld. How that correlates, of course, with. The, being the best seasons of George and Michael. 
Um, we're going to talk about what some of their top moments are. Um, we're also going to talk about the relationships that maybe they had that were separate from the main characters and how that added to the show or added to their characters as well. And then we'll also get into the other stuff. Who stayed funnier longer? Mm. Um, what were their bad episodes? Better career arc, essentially. Absolutely. It was and more dependable. Yeah. Workhorse style stuff. And then, like, you know, comparing maybe the last episode totally. that they both had. And that hopefully will, will bring us to the end where we can say, this is who I think was funnier. And this is who was also the better character. Yeah. Um, so where do you want to start at? I, I feel like even just throwing out a couple of things because it's easy to forget since Seinfeld is older, how many funny things George is involved in totally that become reoccurring parts of the show. Um, so maybe let's start with that. I'll, I'll list off a couple ones that really jumped out at me that I didn't even have to really give any thought. I loved how he was, no matter what he was doing, always lied about being an architect yeah. I thought that was a funny thing that they always just kept going back to that got funnier as it went. Because in the beginning, he had no idea what an architect actually did. He said that he built railroads <laughs> when yeah. he was an architect. And right. then as he goes on, he said he did the addition to the Guggenheim. So clearly he gets smarter as a character of what architects do. That was great. Um, Art Vandelay. Art Vandelay, his... Uh, his uh, why can I not say this word? what his act like his other name alias his alias okay. jesus anyway <laughs> um the art vandalay alias of him always going to that when he wanted to be someone else or say he had a different name i love i mean then there's like there's a low-hanging fruit um he was caught by his mother jerking off <laughs> which sets up arguably their best episode well, uh, um got cat interference i apologize his jerk store line took on like I think I don't think they anticipated it being no. that kind of thing. And that was that was one of those things where he's well past his prime, but kind of just throws that out, and it's just really funny. Exactly. Yeah. And it became really iconic. And th there's a lot of things with Seinfeld and George that I think are like that. We'll get into it um, sure. later. But yeah, those definitely come to mind right off the bat. My f maybe we'll do this in a minute, and I, I won't say this just yet. Um, but then I'll, I'll listen to just a couple more when he pees in the shower at the gym. Classic. Phenomenal. And who are we kidding? The double dip where he fights the guy at the funeral. It's unbelievable because there are, and that's one thing and that we should talk about while we do this. What are things that happen in the show that you do see in real life? Yeah. And you're like, had I not watched the show, maybe I wouldn't have as yeah. much of a formed opinion on this as much as I would. Because I've been to a couple of barbecues where guys are like hammering a double dip. Oh, yeah. Where they'll just have a big chip and just keep going back to the well. And you're like, I can't eat that now. No. Well, and that it, murders me because the dip is great. And that fool might yeah. as well just have his whole face in it. Yeah, your whole mouth in the dip. In the dip. dip, yeah. No, it, it kind of goes to Timmy what we were talking right. about last week of... I asked it in Frame the Way, did Seinfeld break us because we watched it so much as kids? But not breaking, but it, it impacts your view of the world so much. And these things that you, like a double dip, you could pick on, probably pick up regardless, but you especially hits close to home after you watch that episode. A thing, I think we should get into the systematic breakdown point by point. But one thing I want to say is the um, almost mirror reflections these shows have. The similarities are really, really cool. George... 
Jason Alexander acting as George had seven seven Emmy nominations, zero wins. Mm-hmm. Steve Carell as Michael Scott, six nominations, zero wins, yep. which is insane that neither one won. Well, it's funny because I, I maybe we'd have to look it up, but who won? Oh, I'm sure it's, yeah, something with friends or like How I Met Your Mother at that time or just some yeah, Chevy nonsense. Chase on Community. Or yeah, probably, like, yeah. honestly. So it, they, they really are kind of like the all-time greats who just never want to chip, be it like, you know, Ewing, Barkley, Nash, Marino. They're yeah, kind of sure. those guys because they're all-time greats and the not having a statue can't be too reflective of that, I think, because especially it's so arbitrary with that nonsense. Um Oh, and one, one, one last thing I was thinking of before we get into the systematic breakdown. If I had to compare who they were in the sports world, um, and I think it'll make more sense after we break it down, this is going to sound so weird. George, rest in peace here, George has a very Kobe-like career. Comes out of the gates a little slow, don't know what to make of it. When he gets on, unbelievable. All-time great. And near the end of his pr- career, if we're being honest... Not very good. Every now and then has that really exceptional night, but just kind of a detriment to the team and the show, if we're being honest. It's a pretty good analogy. Yeah. yeah Mike, Michael, true. I think, using sports here is a bit of a stretch. Michael's kind of the rock. <laughs> Unbelievable. All-time great. Has highs and lows, as you would expect. Yep. Gets out of Dodge a little early and just moves on to so much bigger of a career. So those are. Do you think those are fair? I don't think you can do a podcast anymore because I don't think you're going to be able to sound better than you do now. Because <laughs> that actually is pretty good. The rock thing is, yeah, I could see, I could see that working for Michael. Everybody loves him. He leaves the show, and everybody wishes he would stay. Yeah, and then he goes on and comes like, back. Every yeah, now and, comes back once, but when he comes back, it's a huge deal. Yeah, he does like Evan Almighty while he's still filming. Yeah. the Office, and yeah. it's like, okay, the guy's not going anywhere. Yeah, exactly, like Scorpion King kind of thing. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. You yeah. film Scorpion King, it's like, well, cool, that guy can just go back and be a wrestler. Yeah, and now, yeah, like a huge movie huge. star, and same with yeah. I mean, Michael Scott's been nominated for an Oscar. <laughs> not Steve Carell. Not Michael Steve Carell. Gary Michael, Scott. Michael Gary Scott was. So yeah, that's pretty good. And and the Kobe thing, yeah, too. I think Kobe found a way to be more likable by the end of his career. George is not likable. And I know we're going to get into that. But that's the only difference that I would say there is George does not do a retirement tour <laughs> on Seinfeld where people are like exchanging jerseys with him and giving him the mic to talk for a bit. Because I don't think anyone was interested. George's retirement tour was just a ton of screaming. Can't argue with that one. Yeah. What do you... Okay, so now let's get let's get specific with it. If you had to break down for each show, both have nine seasons. That's another mere thing. Which... How many seasons do you think are really good and which seasons do you think those are? Because we're in agreement on this one. I, th- I think... Yeah, we were bang on with each other on this one. Um, I think Office's season one through five are really good. Yeah. Like you, we talked about before, I think season four is probably the peak of funny, where mm-hmm. every episode is really, really funny. Um, on the Seinfeld side, I think it's season two through six, because I, I, you can tell with season one, they were still trying to figure it out. It was still very much a reflection of what was going on at the time of like Woody Allen, neurotic yeah. New York man. Exactly. And... 
everything was like, I can't make a decision because it's so paralyzing and I'm so anxious and yeah. I just don't want to. And I'm so yeah. scared now. And it's like, all right, this is funny yeah. for a couple minutes. Yeah. And it's just not very funny. It just like you said, the, the show didn't know what it was yet. It, no, it needed to it get didn't. out of the little Woody Allen thing and become Seinfeld. Whereas The Office definitely came out more guns blazing, hot, swinging. Yeah. I mean, um, the basketball episodes in the first season, and that's an episode that got a ton of that got a ton of publicity yeah. a few weeks ago because it was de- it was it had debuted 15 years prior the wow. same night that the last dance was debuting for Jordan oh, so they had destiny. all that yeah did you ever see like the picture where Michael Scott was guarding Michael Jordan yes so yeah that's like, hilarious goat episode but in making our case of why season 4 is a top episode our top episodes for the office run is the first one's the fun run, mm-hmm. which is one of Michael Scott's best episode of carbo loading and finding, trying to find a cure for a disease that's already been cured <laughs> in rabies. That's pretty good. Dunder Mifflin infinity. Very good. Launch party. Terrific. Branch wars when they go Great. to, yeah. When they go to Karen's office in, uh, Ithaca yeah. and do that, you know, climb on top of her and make love to her and think of Stanley. <laughs> so, I mean, you're getting it. The, the season four of dinner party. I was just going to say, oh, see, okay, and I'm dinner sorry, party. No. So now you're talking about like all time great. They're all time. Great. All time. Great. Like TV episode. dinner party is an all time. Great sitcom episode, regardless yeah. of the show. Yeah. It's, it's fantastic. So best overall season for the office would be season four and best individual season for Michael. I think is season four. I, I will get to best individual performances after this, but I think through and through, Michael's the most consistently found his character and he's got that balance of just super irritating, but not so irritating you can't actually laugh. It's not what we'll get into again a bit later. George at the end of his career being so irritating, it's just not funny. Michael has that perfect blend of what makes him Michael Scott. He's kind of a wiener. He's a bit of a dork. He's selfish. He's irritating, but he's also a huge pushover and the whole relationship with Jan and the dinner party episode for me is what does it. That's like an MVP Hall of Fame performance in that one. Yeah, that one, he's great. because it's, And it's probably the most, either that or Date Mike are the most uncomfortable episodes yeah. of The Office. I'm going to throw one more in there. Which one? Well, we'll get to that best individual performance. Because on the Seinfeld side, I would say, um, I agree with what you said, seasons two through six are all really good seasons too. They're kind of finding themselves more. Um, it, it's not their best season by any stretch, but once it gets to seasons three and four uh, and seasons five, I think that's the funniest TV I've ever seen. But overall, I would go the best overall season for Seinfeld is season four because that's yeah. the one with the, the pilot Bubble and everything. Boy, yeah. Bubble Boy, Cheever Letters, The yes. Opera, The Virgin. The contest, which might be the most famous one. The airport when Jerry's in first class and Elaine's in coach. Yeah. When Jerry picks his nose or they think he picks his nose. Yeah. Um Yeah, Babu Bhatt gets sent back to India, the visa. Yeah. Um And this is also when Frank Jerry Stiller's Frank Costanza comes in in season four. And I think that there's no coincidence. But I, I think that there's no coincidence that that's also George, for me, his best individual season. The, George is at his peak, I think, in season four. In seasons three, five, and six, he's still really good. But season four was his, like, Kobe on three-peat mode. So we're agreeing that season four for George and for Michael are their best seasons. Yeah. yeah. I would agree with that. What do you think? So this would essentially just be your favorite episode for each or favorite couple episodes 
of what's their best individual performance for just Michael and George, not for the show. You know, when I the the one episode, it's not going to be his probably his best one, but I I would almost I would do this more as the episode that made me really into the show was the first time I saw the Dundies. Mm. First episode of season two. That one made me laugh so hard, and it's all because of Michael. Um, totally, and really sucked me into the office. So I don't know if that's his best episode or his funniest one, but I do think that's the one that if you showed it to anybody, they'd have a hard time not really laughing at yeah. it. With the naughty by nature thing, and then um, singing Tiny Dancer, but replacing it with Tiny Dundee, <laughs> giving the award to Phyllis for Bushiest Beaver. Like, There's so much stuff that happened in that episode that uh and when they do like the rewatching video from old oh, and he does mambo number no. five singing about the employees <laughs> yeah. while dwight plays the recorder so that i think is that one i don't know if you could say that's the best one but that's the one that when i was watching the office i was like okay i think this show's yeah. hilarious i would have I, I think no one would have any objection with saying the duddies that's such a good episode it's a jump out, it's all jump out at you episode because it's all michael yeah, like Jim doesn't do anything. Jim Pam, sucks. Well, yeah, that's a whole. We'll other get episode. no. We're going to talk about that soon when we get into the supporting cast. But there's a hot take for you. Yeah, Jim, um, Jim's overrated. Jim sucks. Jim fucking sucks. So let me. I'll throw this over before before you do yours. Yeah, I'll go with the Dundies today. Okay, that that's what made me like think Michael Scott yeah. was out of this world funny. The George moment for me. Is when he eats trash. When he when he eat, when he eats the donut out of the garbage. Like I, I I I swear I I remember exactly what I was doing when I first saw that, where I was sitting, what was happening, and I was screaming laughing. Cause that when he like considers it, breaks it down, picks it up, and has that stupid look on his face. And then takes a huge bite out of it <laughs> in front of his his front of his girlfriend's mom. Is that the one with the fire? Because it's the same girlfriend, but is it a different episode? Oh. I think it's a different. No, it's a different episode because she takes him back after the fire, and then he eats garbage at her house. Yeah, he eats garbage. That's so and then fun. she sees That's him. A great pick when he throws coffee on someone's car, and then he's cleaning the guy's windshield with newspaper to clean the coffee off, and she sees him doing that. So yes. it's all these things going back to him being a bum. That's so fun. That episode for me, and there's a bunch of other ones. Yeah, that's a really good choice. But that's the one that, like, when I'm talking, like, I'm screaming, laughing at George. Yeah, is eating garbage. That that's a great choice. I didn't even think of that. That's really. I good. love that episode. My Michael is best individual performance overall in episode is Diversity Day. I think it's episode episode. two of season one. Oh, you could never make that show today. But season one, though, isn't it? It's episode two two of season one. one. Yeah. And this is when Michael doesn't have like thick, luscious hair. And (laughs) we'll get to the hairlines in a little while. (laughs) Hairline wasn't quite as immaculate in season one. But you could never make that show today. And yet you could say like it's offensive. I think it's just satire. And they do such a good job of... Michael being that loser guy mm-hmm. who's uh, thinks he's being essentially like woke and progressive and oh my, but he gets in trouble for the Chris Rock bit, 
and then doesn't think the guy who's trained in this diversity training sort of thing is good enough. So he's going to do it his own way and just does it in the most ignorant, offensive way. And for me, the part I laugh at the most is the video he makes with Dwight of oh, so uh, diversity to tomorrow or whatever. Because I think the guy who comes in is diversity today. So he makes diversity tomorrow or something like that. And it just awkwardly cuts off. He's like, I will attack you with the north and just stares at the camera and it shuts off. I was howling when Isn't I watched Isn't it Diversity that. Tomorrow Today? Diversity, yes. Where he says this is like his project or yeah. initi- initiative. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I did a quick look. Yeah. That episode where he eats trash is the gymnast. Mm. Yeah. What's the one, because this is the one I want to ask if you're on season four, what's the title of the episode with Bozo the Clown in the fire at the girlfriend's house? I'm going to have to find that. So you're going to have to go. Because that's my favorite episode. It's just got so many awesome Seinfeld parts. When they're when he's talking with the girlfriend about Bozo and she's saying that whole like, forget about Bozo. It's over for Bozo. And just keeps repeating the word Bozo. That's such a Seinfeld thing to do. Um, but it, it brings out all the best of George. Like he he thinks he's got this intelligence and info that nobody else is privy to like when he's condescendingly talking to John Favreau who plays like Eric the clown or whatever and he just doesn't think he gets it essentially about the clown industry but George knows and this is also just after he fled in cowardice from the fire and he's pushing over old people to get out of the way and then he's shutting the door behind him and I just feel like that encapsulates Costanza so well he's such a bum and he's such a coward and he's just such a loser, but he also has this smart-ass know-it-all smugness to him that's mm-hmm. so unwarranted, and I don't think any episode brings it out better than that one. Yeah, I think you could be right on that. Yeah. Now, I, this is a part that I forgot about the eating garbage episode. Do you remember how that episode ends for George? Um, I don't, actually. That he has to take his shirt off when he goes to the bathroom, <laughs> and he was looking at the 3D painting... And he was so mesmerized by it that he comes out of the bathroom wearing no shirt. So, I mean, yeah, I had my notes down for some of this stuff, but I forgot about that part. And yeah, that's good. That's awfully good. And that's season six. So that that's when we get into the. I mean, episode. You know, season four was tremendous, but I mean, that's a that's a heavy hitter in season. That's a heavy hitter. That's a big time heavy hitter. Well, I mean, that, that, again, that goes to my Kobe theory of some of his most memorable games were past his prime. So, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. What do you think would be? Let's just keep it concise. As far as season and season, what are his worst performances on both sides? Um, one for Michael jumps out really quickly to me is uh, Cafe Disco. Oh, I really don't like that episode. No, it just is kind of weird. Um, Michael all of a sudden just like has this huge penchant. Like I have to drink coffee and I have to dance. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know. It's just a weird episode. Yeah. The only funny part in it is I think when delight like is dancing and like accidentally punches him in the head at the end of the episode. Right. Um, It's like kind of funny. It, it, it shows you that like, if that's the best part of the episode, it's pretty, pretty thin. Um, for George, I'll just give you one for Michael. I, Cafe Disco like, is a, a definite skip for me. For George, 
George's worst episodes are the show's worst episodes mm-hmm. for me. Puerto yeah. Rican Day Parade is a bad episode. It's just bad TV. Because that's the one where the guy has the laser pointer on George. Right. And George literally is just screaming the entire episode. And it's just not yeah. funny. And then right after that, I would probably put the car dealership one, the Twix one. That's definitely mine for George. It's too much. Yeah. The like, It's like intense conspiracy theory about car dealership stuff about how these guys are going to screw you and you know, yeah. everything's about getting screwed and then all of a sudden he's getting screwed and yeah. he buys a bunch of Twix but doesn't eat any of them and then yeah. is mad that everyone else ate them because he was going to prove that someone ate the last it's just like the stupidest and then he yells out Twix like he yells out Khan yeah. because all he does is yell now I remember when I first saw that I was like this sucks yeah. and I, I what I've seen clips of it since it's like I, it's a sprint to get away from it. Yeah. It's that those that's mine. I'll give you that. Those Puerto Rican Day Parade, car dealership Twix, all time lows for George. I was gonna say Puerto Rican But those are the lowest for the shows too. Exactly. I was gonna say Puerto Rican Day Parade Puerto Rican Day Parade as well, but to keep it interesting, I'm gonna throw an unusual one out there. And it's kind of me just being nitpicky for the sake of it, but Michael's goodbye or his last episode, I'm gonna go with that one just because it was in some ways I it it was cool and it was emotional, which is fine. But also, I, I'm more of just like, just give me the funny, the sitcom kind of thing. It's it's not a drama. It was still a good episode, but it, it there were certain aspects of it. I'm like, wait, who was this guy then? Because all of a sudden, he seems like like this was almost a joke the whole time. When he realizes, like, oh, they have no respect for me, and he's laughing so hard, like they think I'm just an idiot. And that was just so inconsistent. And I, I know maybe it's just yeah. like, well, he learned his lesson or whatever. But I was kind of like, well, how? Like how did it get to this point where he's so he has zero self awareness to kind of it's like he's the smart dude who's been on in on the joke the whole time so it doesn't actually bother me but it was inconsistent enough for me to just kind of be like eh I don't I it just didn't feel like the office the the what I loved about the office at least and my least favorite with George is can't even make it interesting to go with a different one. it's the Twix one it just drives me insane and i think it's a problem most sitcoms have and especially good ones is you can only have so many good ideas and the writers can only write so many good scripts that eventually it just becomes the care uh the characters are caricatures of themselves yeah when george would sometimes get a little upset sometimes blow the gasket a little bit now it's literally that's all he does then it became that's all elaine did and then kramer all was became just what a all lunatic they were all just yeah. screaming and everybody's like you said like he's trying to screw me like that sort of thing and um, it was just unbearable to watch and really hard. Pretty much as soon as Larry David left, Seinfeld it got, was it tough. It got tough. It yeah. got really, really tough. I, I think when you look at impact that, I mean, the show on The Office, everything's built around Michael. Um, but there were things that George's character brought into the show when it was at its best. Yeah that had an impact on the show that was different, I think, than anything that Michael brought into the show that wasn't there in the beginning. Yeah. Um, the big one, I think, for Michael that he brings in that's not a reoccurring character, it's only a once-in-a-while cameo thing, is Todd Packer. He's funny, especially in the yeah. beginning, because he's so oh, yeah. random and weird and like really crass. And again, one of those guys, like I kind of know that dude. Yeah, I think that's what's so. so great about... Um, Michael Scott and George's that like you you meet those guys like yeah, oh god you that guy's Michael Scott yeah. and Todd Packer is definitely you know Todd Packer's yeah that guy who yeah. thinks he's just the man and is you wouldn't believe my Saturday night. you're like you're like fifty and three twenty paper company yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, yeah, I think, yeah, everyone knows a version of that guy. Um, a traveling paper salesman, but just yeah, the life that of just the calls it in. Yeah. So, so that, that kind of leads to what, what do you think about supporting cast? And cause I think this can get kind of convoluted because I think some people would be like, well, so-and-so has a better supporting cast. That's a detriment to them. But obviously we're doing all the sports analogies, but that can't be the case because, it's no show is just like, well, yeah, every character sucked. And then, but he was great. So like, well, that's just a bad show. And we're not yeah, talking it's about it. Brutal then. show. All the characters have to be good. And for me, I think George definitely in the same way, like Michael benefits from a scene with Todd Packer, George a thousand percent benefits with scenes with Frank and Estelle. Every scene they're in is the scene of that episode. But overall he has a better supporting cast. Like give me Elaine and Kramer Frank and Estelle, Jerry, who's the namesake of the show, is far and away the worst character in it. Um, give me those guys over Jim and Andy. And Dwight's funny, but he can also be a lot. Like, especially at the end when he's just like this incel lunatic. Yeah. Um, but what what do you think? Because I'm about to go off on Jim in a second, but I don't want to ramble too long before you say your thing. You can tell with Seinfeld that uh, it went to another level when George's parents showed up. The, the best thing that they ever did was do the storyline where George had to move home because that, for a character that's not layered, that was the best layer they could have put yeah. on him was that you met his family and it wasn't a miss. Yeah. Because you do get those things in movies or like, not movies, series where like something's happening and you're chugging along, and then the next season they introduce a cousin, yeah, or they introduce the mom, yeah, exactly. you know, or and it's like, oh man, this sucks. Where it's it, your brother who just you haven't just talked about up. or known about yeah. for the last five years. It's like the Soprano thing, where it's like, oh hey, Tony Blundetto showed up. Where why hasn't anyone been talking about him yeah, for the exactly. last ten years? Exactly. So for that to be like not just a hit, but like a complete grand slam, game changer, where too. they show up and it's like wait a second, who are these guys? And they were the like the funniest scenes. And the great part was is they never overexposed them. No. They would be in one scene, maybe an episode, unless there was like big tor turmoil or something like that. Yeah. But all of a sudden you got to see this part where George is getting yelled at by his mom. His dad's a total lunatic. And it jives so well together that you almost start to understand like, well, no kidding, George totally. is a loser. Exactly. So it's like they got that free agent signing that was a role player, but just worked so well. Yeah. Just du was perfect. Dwight Howard to the Lakers. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so it it really is, though. It, it's, it's such a huge add to the show where now all of a sudden yeah. you have more funny characters that aren't taking away from any of the main ones. They're yeah. just making them better. And George still, for me, was always like the MVP because when he's in his prime, they're talking about doing the pilot and stuff, and everyone is just at their peak. peak yeah. But still, George is stealing every scene. Like the both another thing that I think they have Michael and George is the cringe factor that it's just so hard. like you you have to cover your eyes sometimes. Look when. George goes to visit Russell, the executive of NBC, and has yeah. to come back and, add, and do that. Can I use your bathroom? Yeah, it's awful. But he's doing it like he's so sweet, and he's just conducting business. And this is a usual thing. And yep. when they're in the meetings, and Russell's replacement is there, and he looks at her and does like, oh, hi, Russell. And then is throwing his hands around and cackling with everybody. He's such 
a loser. And or when he, he's telling guys how to act in the yes, pilot. Exactly. This guy, but that's what I was talking about before, like with the clown thing. He thinks he has this insider info on everything. And you have yeah. these actual actors, then you have some guy who just got dragged along because of his friend. Yep. And he's given all these guys pointers. And that's what it, I think it's important almost if we actually just sum up at their best what were their characters. Because for me, George was an incredibly selfish, neurotic, not particularly kind, very unsuccessful um, person. And when they made him, like you said, moving in with his parents was the best thing you could ever have. Because he kind of went from like, yeah, he's a weird neurotic guy to George is kind of a kind of a schmuck. So like, oh, this guy's just a bum and he's a dick and a know-it-all at the same time. Well, I think what he, he was such a great representative of, and I'm not going to get into the like, you know, George was a metaphor for this. I think he's what everyone is at one point in time terrified that they could turn into. Yes. Where it's like, oh man, I have no job. I got no girlfriend, wife, no prospects. <laughs> I have no money. No conceivable reason to get up in the morning. Well, and this is what they do at one point in the show. And I'll, I'll get you to do it because we talked about it before we, we got started. Was how Kramer twice pretty much sums up George and why he's such a dislikable person, but yeah. such a funny character. But I do feel like for anyone watching, George, how you can identify with him is at your most insecure yeah. and at your most fearful of what's going to happen in the future. Yeah. You're watching George and you're like, I think I'm terrified that I'm going to end <laughs> up single, living at home with my senior parents Bald. and have nothing going yeah. on. Yeah, I mean, and it ain't be, gonna be funny. No, exactly. So, and then you just see this, and it's like, okay, I get why this would be funny. Totally. So, like, read the Kramer thing on when he, yeah. when, when we talk about him trying to guess the password. And, and there's then, the uh, the Jerry instance too. So when Jerry, there, the, what what Steve's, what I what I think these quotes represent of what Steve said is this is through the character George built. And it's other characters' dialogue, but once you hear it, you're just so familiar. Like, that is George. And you just start laughing. And one is when they're doing the negotiations to get the sitcom. And uh, Jerry tells him, you're not artistic and you have no integrity. Just quick and to the point, but so true. That's yep. George, especially That's the true. no integrity part. But then the ones that are super telling, and these won't necessarily be word for word, are uh, when Kramer's having to sit down with George and he's asking those questions about... Like, you got a woman? No. Do you have a job? No. Do you have any prospects? No. Do you have any money? No. Do you have any conceivable reason to get out of bed in the morning? No. And it's just so funny because he really is that guy that if you were to be, you know, not that much of a pessimist, but knowing George is that, everything Kramer's saying is true. It's not just like hyperbole within the show. It's like, yeah, George has nothing going on. Yeah. And like you said, he's a cautionary tale of a person. The last one is... Um, when he's trying to guess George's password and he immediately can just say like, he's, he's weak. Uh, what, what's the other word you said? Spineless. Spineless. That's, oh, that's the most important one. Yeah. And that's, uh, I feel like that's George. We got to make sure we give Michael. Oh yeah. His there's due. plenty. How of would Michael. you describe like my, if, if Michael was a real guy and you had to describe him to someone when he was in his best, what would you say? I got his funniest. Like at his best, what was Michael's character? If you had to describe it, exact same thing as Seinfeld did for George, where when people are watching, they're trying to figure out 
all the words that capture like why you dislike this guy. You laugh at him and you think he's funny and you probably quote him. But when you're watching it, you do turn to, you know, whoever's watching with you and be like, God, this guy's annoying. Or you laugh and you're like, he's so irritating. So just like they did with George, where Kramer lays it all out on all the things. And when you're hearing it, you go, yes, yes, yes. Season two performance review with Michael. The very ending of the episode when Jan goes in on him and she says everything that pretty much sums it up. It's not rocket science, but she just says, you're obnoxious, you're rude, you're stupid, <laughs> you're very inconsiderate. She, he does have coffee breath. <laughs> and his whole takeaway from all of that when she says, the reason I'm not going to have a relationship with you is like, you know, your looks are fine. She says all that to him. Yeah. You're stupid and obnoxious. And she gets <laughs> in the elevator and he says, so my looks have nothing to do with it. <laughs> And then afterwards, he does his recap to the camera where he's like pleased that this is what she said, that he's like, no, 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 you're fine looking. You're just this horrible human being. And he says the whole like, I can go home now. And he's, and he's pleased. That is the quintessential Michael Scott scene, especially yeah. from the early episodes where you, if you were wondering, if you had to watch one episode where you're like, why do people think this guy's such a dipshit? Yeah. This is the one he gets told that's to perfect. his face that's that perfect. he's an idiot and he doesn't listen to any of it. And that's the other <laughs> thing that him and George both have in common, especially early for Michael. They don't listen to anything. No, like, they're so self-centered. They're so self-centered. And when they hear something that's like just flat out truth, they think you're crazy. Yeah. Like well, this person obviously has no idea. Like when Jerry's girlfriend, the masseuse, doesn't like George, and he just can't, can't believe, believe it because <laughs> everyone yeah. has to like, even though no one likes this guy. In yeah, his mind, everyone hates him. Everybody, everybody. Yes, I must be liked. And I, I think some of those scenes with Michael, um, when he does that, there's some sort of altercation. Then after he's confidently talking to the the camera, kind of like George when he gets all confident talking to these NBC execs. Michael's just so full of shit. Like the Ryan one, when Ryan becomes the boss, I think it's season four and he's, uh, Michael's trying to like hug him or whatever. When he comes back and he, he gives Michael a stern talking to him. Then after it cuts to Michael, he's like, yeah, he kind of yelled at me. He had this glint in his eye where he's like, Hey man, we're <laughs> friends. And he just goes on and on about everything he saw in Ryan's eyes and go his words. <laughs> it's just, he's so delusional. Like you said, absolutely no self-awareness. And those scenes are so indicative of that, but you're right. That's literally the perfect quintessential summary of who Michael Gary Scott is. And they change that. Like you point out, there is a point where they, they clearly can tell like, all right, at some point we got to redeem this guy. They and did they, a great. Sorry, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, please. They did such a good job in the office. If I remember the first time watching it, not knowing what to expect of being getting to certain points where I'm like, it's not like Seinfeld in the sense where nobody ever learns a lesson. People do learn lessons, and with Michael, as funny as he was, there were times where I was just kind of like, "Fuck this guy!" Like, why? I, I don't know if I can watch another episode because he was so good at being that cringy. But then they'd have the redeeming quality of. The kids come over to trick or treat, and yeah. he, you, you, the whole episode, you're so pissed at him because he sucks so much. But then, then you're like, ah, that's sad. He's home alone, and the kids come by, and all the candy spills out. And he's being so great and nice to him, just tells him to take it all. So they did give you that little bit of right. okay, he still is a human being, and maybe that's a good segue to the overall question. Then, um, 
Unless you have anything to add on that. No, I don't. I think that's great. Uh, the overall question of who is a better character, George or Michael, and then you can define like what that means to you because there is a distinction between the funnier character and the better character. For sure. Um, as far as a better character goes... I mean, this is tough because you're 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 asking to go through. Like, I couldn't imagine being friends with either of these guys. You know, like, hey man, you got to spend a month. If you have to hang out, you you have to have a weekend away with one of these guys. Who are you going with? I'm going with George. George, I think, would definitely be. There wouldn't be a lot of lulls in conversation. No, you wouldn't be. You wouldn't be searching for things because he you would at least just like talk sports or something. Sure. Whereas Michael yeah. would say the like i feel like i've been on trips with guys like michael before yeah. where it's like this guy is just a nerd did you watch the match last night or something yeah yeah which one i don't know yeah so exactly i think yeah i'd probably have to go like it's really tricky as far as like a developed character where there's actually like peaks and valleys michael's the better character yeah because george is just like the worst human being ever. Yeah, there's actually levels to Michael. Yeah, Michael progresses and yeah. becomes likable, and then they'll like throw it something back in there that says, "Oh, remember that he was a jerk." Yeah. And then they kind of get him back to being like his employees have started to like him all of a sudden, even mm -hmm. though he screws up regularly. So there's a little more of a human thing. No person would like not be out of jail if they weren't George. Where like he <laughs> murders his wife. And there's all these horrible things that he's basically at the center of. Funnier character, I think. We'll, we'll get to that. Who would you go with for? I mean, it, what, what's tough about it is I can get too hung up on semantics, essentially. Because, yes, in terms of character development, there's no question that Michael is the better character. Because George is, other, like, when they finally find who George is, he's the same guy. Not as always well done, but he's always the same guy. That's the whole point of Seinfeld that they were really uh, intentional on is no one learns anything at the end of the day. And that's even though the, the series finale wasn't good, that's what it was supposed to encapsulate. Yeah. And that it was only a comedy. There was not one scene in Seinfeld that's supposed to make you think like, oh, that sucks. Or damn, what's going to happen next? Like it's only jokes. So there's such different shows that... Considering it's a sitcom, I, I get a little overly critical of it. But sometimes when shows get too dramatic, it, it takes away from me. Yeah, yeah. So I can't confidently say Michael Scott because given George's purpose of what he was supposed to do for what I consider to be. Well, I'll get to that in a second. Now I'll say it now. I consider Seinfeld to be the better show mm -hmm. over The Office. And I think George was the funniest character on The Funniest Show. And so I associate, I know they're different, but in order to be funnier, I feel like he's got to be better, if that makes sense. I think Michael's a safer pick. Yeah. Because, like, I'll speak from experience. My wife does not like Seinfeld. And George is, like, right at the root of that. Because yeah. he's so annoying at times, <laughs> and he's so obnoxious and rude that, like, when we're watching it, when I've made her watch it sometimes, because it's never been like, you know, hey, let's watch Seinfeld together. It's more like, can you please watch this with me? You'll appreciate yeah. it afterwards. She's like irritated <laughs> after a while. And I, so I think Michael, he has great lines. They have really funny episodes. I think because of what Seinfeld also stood for at the time of being like a landmark, funniest show of all time on TV, 
it's difficult not to go with that. Some of the stuff doesn't age well, but I mean, no. there's everything, everything. everything from the nineties doesn't really yeah. age well, like using pay phones or like the clothes yeah. or blah, blah, blah. So, um, I would go with, I would go with George as being the funnier character. Um, he's had so many things in the show that age really well. Um, you know, Lloyd Braun and his rivalry with him. Like we said at the beginning, there's just a bunch of things that are so pivotal to that show's success that center around George. Exactly. He's uh, really like the the cog in the wheel. Yeah, exactly. I feel. Yeah, because I mean, there's Kramer's great. And Kramer's only in small like, doses, though. but in really small doses. And Jerry, you could not actually rely on to carry the show. And Elaine's really good. She's kind of like the unsung hero of the oh, show, yeah, but totally. she just didn't get probably as much shine yeah. as she could have yeah i agree but i think george is really what like put the show on his back and another thing for me because i guess this will become all encompassing now of george versus michael and seinfeld versus the office of i feel like seinfeld and george kind of paved the way for a show mm-hmm. like the office and i think that has to stand for something and i do think there's so many similarities with michael's michael scott and george that it's not I'm saying he was ripped off, but again, it's just he was kind of the originator of that really irritating um, yeah. attributes that Michael pulled off so well. And saying for me that I, I prefer George over Michael is not a slight at Michael either because it really is like 1A and 1B. They're both such unbelievably good characters, not just in sitcoms, but I think just TV and stuff we've watched. And they're so quotable and so integral to just like our everyday conversation. I can't think of anything anybody else um, from TV that's had that kind of impact. So it's not a slight, but I have to go George and I have to go Seinfeld over um, the office for pretty much all the same reasons as George and the paving the way thing. But I just think it's through and through funnier and the office was pretty innovative, but it wasn't the original. So I think Seinfeld was more innovative uh, than the office was. Yeah, making it sounds funny now, but making a show out of nothing. Yeah. A show based on nothing. The office you could say is the same thing. It's a it's a show set in an office building. So there really isn't anything going on. Yeah. The only thing that they keep referencing in season 1 is downsizing. Yeah. But one thing I will say, the parallels of, of both of the shows when you have like your like main out in front character the writing is really good. Like yeah. when it's at its peak, it's not low. It, I'm sure some of it is. But when we're just maybe not remembering because you're kind of looking back on with rose colored glasses. But it's not very low brow. Like there's no like, no. you know, Kramer kind of handles the slapstick stuff. Yeah. Of like, you know, here comes Kramer and he like falls down or something like that or yeah. walks into a door that's closed. Some of I will say that Michael has some of the funniest quotes Totally. He's a very quotable character, more than George, I think. Yeah. George is more of like the rant guy. I think Michael yeah. is much more of the quotable guy. And George is also like delivery. It could yeah. just be a very you unspectacular line. You could say the same line. thing with yeah. another guy and it's not funny. Because yeah, Jason Alexander did did a pretty incredible job delivering yeah. stuff that would not be funny no. if someone else said it. So the Ben Franklin episode, when they do the bachelor party for Bob Vance is one of his best episodes. Totally. And because he has the rant of um, an afternoon shower with guys, an hour-long shower with guys, a guy's shower, that's <laughs> that's great. 
asking Ben Franklin if he's wearing a thong. <laughs> that's the best. Yeah, like that's great. <laughs> His quote, two quotes. Um, there's the one that like clearly doesn't age well because it's the you call your friends. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's the best line it is, in the show. It's a really well written line, but it's a hard <laughs> one to go back to. One under the radar one that d- kills me every time. When he's signing up for a dating service and he enters his username and it's because he wants to show what his priorities are and he enters his username as little kid lover. (laughs) (laughs) And he says, I want that'll tell people exactly where my priorities are at. That kills me every time I hear it. Probably my favorite one, even over the friends one, is when he says, you know, what do I, what do I do? I, I, sometimes I sing too much in the shower. Sometimes I do too much volunteering. Occasionally I hit someone with my car. (laughs) (laughs) When he runs over Meredith with his car, when he does that, occasionally I'll hit someone with my car. So sue me. Oh, cause that's, (laughs) I, I would say both George and Michael do this really well. And I'll just give you one George quote after I'm done with this. Um, their frustrated face is yeah. great yeah the steve carell pissed off face when he's hearing something he doesn't like and he does the, like pursed lips shaking the head yeah. <laughs> and he doesn't know what to say is one of the best parts of the show his frustrated face michael uh, scott especially early on because he's trying to sound cool and it doesn't come out right and he gets pissed and leaves his frustrated face is one of his best character attributes and george is the same when he starts freaking out yeah and gets the stressed look and the eyes start bugging out of his head <laughs> and he starts looking around. And he doesn't know what to say. Those are two Great of call. the underrated things of George Costanza and Michael Scott, because we all have our frustrated face or our stressed out face. And those guys do it so well consistently in the show where before they've said their line, you're already laughing because <laughs> there's a bunch of a bunch of ones with Michael where you can wow. go back and watch and the, like that's part of the how what makes it so funny. What I immediately think of when you say the George face, and we'll get out of here in a minute because we we I legitimately we could probably go for really for long, but we've hour. already gone like yeah. an hour and a half probably. So well, but uh, the immediate scene I think of is when George's mom falls off the toilet after catching him, <laughs> please himself, and he goes to visit her. And there's the uh, really beautiful woman in the sponge bath. And then he starts timing it to go there so he can be there. And she's telling him, like, George, I'm hungry. He does the, hang on, Ma. Yeah. And he's so uncomfortable that his uh, facial expressions and everything are just so... Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's such an underrated part of him. Or it's not just the dialogue. It's not just his delivery. It's everything. Yeah. Yeah, they, they do... There's two guys that could play those roles. Yes. And those guys exactly. kill it. And same type of thing as we talked about with George's parents, where you bring in these side characters and it in a lot of shows it can go either way. Yeah. And it goes hundred percent the right way. Same type of thing for a character like this. If you don't have the right cast guy, the office isn't as funny. Yeah. Seinfeld's not as funny. Absolutely. Um so it is really one of those like just perfect situations why it winds up being the best of totally. all time kind of things is because it's perfectly cast. If you had to say then, all that being said, do you do you go office over Seinfeld as well as George over Michael? As far as quality of show? Yeah, it's what he thinks the better show. I think the funnier show is Seinfeld. Agreed. Personally. Yeah. If you want to talk about peak, 
And even at its lowest, I think it's better than The Office was at its lowest. At the, the last yeah, season there's, there's and a half there's Office episodes I haven't watched. Zero interest in watching them. Yeah. Whereas I've seen every episode multiple yeah. times of Seinfeld. And as irritating as it does get, at the end when everybody's screaming, there still are those home run hits. Like like you were saying, that when George gets arrested for bootlegging. And yep. they still have those moments where yep. it's pretty iconic and some of the more famous scenes actually yeah, in Seinfeld. Very much so. Dogma, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I, we should probably wrap it up. So yeah, are we both going with George and the uh, and Seinfeld but not taking anything away from Michael Scott or The Office? Yeah, we're talking about like 1 and 1A. Like I really do think Seinfeld probably comes out on top. Yeah, that's I said 1A and 1B. That's not even the saying. You thank yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, I I think we have have to point out that it's like a like a photo finish on it this really, one because it really is very good. I mean, the thing that's helped the office before we go has been streaming up to this point. Because totally. I know Seinfeld now is on Crave and yeah. now on Hulu and I think it's supposed to come to Netflix in twenty twenty one. Which is gonna be like the last dance coming and people being like, Oh, oh I didn't realize this, it was exactly, this funny exactly. and like, Oh man, I, I now I have to reevaluate everything. Exactly. Yeah, I thought Parks and Rec was the funniest <laughs> show of all time. And it's like, well, if you haven't watched Seinfeld, yeah, you don't know. You, you don't can't know. you can't talk about best sitcoms of all time if you haven't watched Seinfeld. Sure. So hopefully that happens. And hopefully just like it has with Netflix or with Netflix with The Office, where the office is probably more popular now than it's ever been because of binging and, and just the readily available ways of watching it. Seinfeld is not a binging show though. You got to be in a mood. You have to be ready for that kind of humor. You can put the office on and just kind of casually laugh. Yeah. But if you put Seinfeld on when like George is ranting and raving and it's like, I'm sure I know in my house, yeah. we're not watching three episodes of Seinfeld before you fall asleep. Oh God, no, no. So that is the difference in those. The office yeah. is definitely well tailored to the binge era. True. That's yeah. That's a really good point. But I, think I think either way, we're both agreeing top two shows. Hundred percent in agreement of the order and top two show. I think next week we'll have to. We do have to touch on why Jim sucks as much as he does, right, but we Jim, don't have time. Um, this was a fun. I, honestly, we could have talked about this song. I, I know that's like the stupid cliche thing. Says like you know, Steve. I, I could have talked about this for another three hours with you. If I got the chance, we got to get out. But we really do because this has been a really long episode and we know that's a no-no in the podcasting game. So any last thoughts or are we good to go? Nope, this was fun. So that wraps it up for this week. Uh, to everybody who listens, we appreciate it. If there is anyone that wants to chime in on the Costanza versus Michael Scott debate, please please chime in because it is one that I know a few of our friends and, and people out there are passionate about. Um, so yeah, subscribe to the podcast if you could share it around if you don't mind and by all means on twitter or wherever it gets shared uh put an opinion up because i'd love to see it and uh we'll get back to it next week we will touch on jim sucking and being overrated uh and we'll probably go from there but uh we appreciate you guys listening and uh we'll see you guys next week thanks